This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning. How many of you went hunting for snow this weekend? If you did, I'd like you to just open your phones, choose the best photo and show it around. Okay, pick the best picture. I know you were hunting for snow because I saw you on the mountain too, some of you. <laughs> uh, Jan, Yakumin, Jenny, Fani. So this is my best picture. Show your picture. Come on, seriously. Do you have one? No? This is like my best picture. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. The rest of you were smart, yeah? You stayed home. <laughs> Just a warm greetings to you, all of you who are streaming in this morning. Um, you can see that group, they went to the snow. <laughs> okay. So the subject that we're going to look at this morning, which CS asked me to, to speak on, is how to run the race with perseverance. Hey, our two gold medals, Anrune and Ntando. Let's give them a round of applause, man. <laughs> I really think that everyone watched the Paralympics, really. What an epitome of human resilience, isn't it? So even as we speak about running the race, um, I think Paralympians and Olympians, obviously, you know, just show us something so amazing about what man is able to do when, you know, when you choose to do it, when you seek to rise above adversity, when you don't let adversity hold you down. So the subject today is how to run the race with perseverance. And so I want to start the time just um, with the following, sort of the why. So why do we go through hard times? So a lot of consultants will use the phrase VUCA. You've all heard the phrase VUCA. We live in a VUCA world, coined by the US Army to say that, look, the battlefield has changed. It is volatile, V. It is uncertain, U. It is complex, C. And it is ambiguous. So we live in a VUCA world. So the only guarantee you can have today in life, the only certainty today is change. If you want to live in a world where there is no change, I'm sorry, you need to go to Disneyland. Okay? It doesn't exist. Change is a certainty. So obviously, like, like everyone, you know, I also, as you go in life, you realize you can't trust your memory. And if you can't trust your mem memory, then you need to take notes. And so you start designing your own way of capturing what you learn in life. And so over time, I collected um, a bunch of stuff that I tried to summarize why God allows me or you and I to go through tough times. So if the world is VUCA, if we will face change all the time, and change isn't necessarily easy, why does, allow God, why does God allow change? Why does God allow difficult times? Why is there so much resistance when we run this race of life or this race of faith? 
Okay, so you can put up the two slides. I'm not going to unpack this. I'm just going to read it through. So you'll see God allows me, you and I, to go through tough times because we live in a fallen world. Because to follow Jesus equals being persecuted, right? Because we have personal sin. And there's also generational sin. Because to follow Jesus means there will be spiritual opposition because our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour us, to steal and to kill and to destroy our faith. And suffering, persecution, trials, tribulations helps to uh, refine our character, to prepare us for service. You can go to the next slide. Tough times is a form of discipline because God is a good father and every good father, mother, desires that their children live in a way that is, you know, healthy and whole. And so God likewise disciplines us. Um, in Matthew 24, 13, uh, sorry, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, all those passages are about the signs of the end times. And, and so it's, it's always a warning of greater evil, hardship, persecution, trials, tribulations, a sign of the times we're in and the end times. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for you to generate a testimony so Jesus can be revealed. It's an opportunity for reward, a proof of faith. And God works all things together for good, Romans 8.28. And so it's, it's part of God's plan, right? So that God can be revealed. God's mercies can be revealed. And finally, in my list anyway, I'm sure this is not exhaustive, but in my list anyway, to teach us that He is enough. God is enough. To teach us not to depend on ourselves, but because we are not enough, and so we need to depend on Him because He is enough. So, I don't know if Eugene, maybe you can post the slides on the, on the group later so you guys can go back and do this study for yourself. But here are all the things that I found as a result of living a little bit longer than some of you, but not as much as others here. <laughs> Why God allows hard times. So I want to invite a young friend of mine, Matteo. We're in week number seven. We're entering week seven of the three-month ISLS, the Three Months International Sports Leadership School. And uh, so, Matteo, just come up and <clears throat> maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and what is it like to be a follower of Jesus as a young person in El Salvador? Hello, everyone. Hi. I'm being released of the mask. Um, I live in El Salvador, a beautiful country of Central America. We're a very small country. And for the last 15 years, we've been um, the most dangerous country in Latin America. We've been developing very fast as a, as a society, adopting a lot of new changes, and for a lot of us, it's been hard to break our society patterns. As John said, it reminded me of something, all those generational curses that it's in our land, that it's in our people, and as we develop as fast as like crazy, you know, our new currency is Bitcoin up to this moment, and we're developing our ways of living, but we're not developing how we, our spiritual lives have been stayed the same. 
and it's not moving towards God. Um, so when it comes to gang violence and territorial violence, it's everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. Violence and unsafetyness will always be there because gangs have like territories in our country and they think it's theirs. So if you move from one place to another that it's not your space, you could be killed or kidnapped or um, something can happen to you. One month before coming here, uh, one of my skater, skater's friends disappeared and that happens very often. We just don't see our friends anymore because of gang violence. Uh, and as I grew up, I had to figure out what was, why were we living this? What, what was going on here? Like, um, and for me as a Christian, what helps me stay in church, it's like we, we all need help. And if we include Jesus in that healthy formula, it, it just, it's the best way to help others, help me, help others, and it has, it, it has to be in the formula for success in our lives, you know, as we, as we try to help other people. Um, yeah, I think that that's it. Thanks, Matthew. So if you, if you read today the literature, you will see, um, you can drop the next slide you will see there are a couple of words that are used quite often, okay? And so, fragile, we all understand, right? What is fragile? When you have a glass or an egg and you drop it on the ground, what happens to it? It shatters, it breaks. So that's fragile. When there's stress put upon something or someone and there is a shattering, that's fragile. So what is robust? Robust is if you have a, a stone, a rock with robust properties. Even if you throw it on the ground, you put it in the box and you shake it, when you take it out of the box, it does not change. It does not break. It did not crack. That's robust. What is resilient? Resilient is the ability to bounce back. So you think tennis ball, you think um, like Play-Doh or, or uh, plastic. Yes? So you squeeze it, and you can still reshape it. It will still bounce back, and its properties, um, in that sense, doesn't change. Okay, so that's, that's resilience. So you think about uh, tennis balls, yeah, plastic. And so what is anti-fragile? Anti-fragile is a new term that maybe came out about a couple of years ago, six years, six years, seven years ago a guy that authored this book, and he said, what's the opposite of fragile? And we think the opposite of fragile is robust, okay? And, and he uses a mathematical theorem to prove this, and he says, look, the opposite of fragile isn't, isn't, isn't robust. The opposite of fragile is actually anti-fragile. Because in fragile, if you put stress on that object, it breaks. But anti-fragile is when you put stress on an object and it becomes stronger. So what becomes stronger as a result of stress? Okay? What helps growth? So you, so you think about any women in the house? Ladies, put up your hands. Okay, and then if you have a wedding ring on your hand with a diamond, can you lift it up? 
Okay, wedding ring, wedding ring, super, super happy women there, yep. Okay, carbon under pressure becomes diamonds. So that's an example of anti-fragile. Um, muscular hypertrophy, what is that? When you exercise and you carry a heavy load, for example, high reps, no, heavy load as many reps as you can. So there's muscle tears and there are micro tears in your muscle and as a result of those tears, your muscle becomes stronger. So that is another example of anti-fragile, right? Uh, what else? So you go to Acts chapter 4 and the persecution upon the early church. You think of the Apostle Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians and Philippians 4. He speaks about the things he went through, but all those things help his faith to develop and to become stronger. Okay, so that's the concept of anti-fragile. All right, I'd like you to turn to a friend now and in a minute, share other examples that you can think of that is related to being resilient and anti-fragile. Go for it. What other examples can you think of that symbolize resilience or anti-fragile? Okay, so I'm going to pan around the, the hall and just see if anybody has examples, added examples. Any, anyone on this side? Shout it out. A tree. Okay, is this breaking the law here? <laughs> ah, pruning of a tree. So cutting the vines off so that it can come back stronger, healthier. Yes. Rose bushes, it's crazy. Huh? I didn't believe it when I first came to South Africa because we can't really grow rose bushes in, in Malaysia where we come from. Uh, but here, it's beautiful and then it's a stump during winter. It's winter, right? That's when they prune it. Yes or no? As you can tell, I know absolutely nothing about rose bushes. <laughs> so yes, and then and I, I could never believe it why they would hack a rose bush to that height. So anyway, yeah, rose bushes. Okay, anyone else on this side? Yes. Tea. Yes, when you brew tea in cold water versus hot water. I love that. <laughs> coffee, the same, right? Have you ever ate a coffee bean? It's not very nice. A pressure cooker. Wonderful. I agree. Stew, yes. Huh? Egg, yes. 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 So an egg, I'll, I'll repeat for others who couldn't hear, an egg that you drop on the ground will crack, but an egg that you boil and you boil and you boil and you boil and you boil, okay? <laughs> it will never crack. <laughs> Uh, the, the Chinese, okay, I'll tell you this story. The Chinese <clears throat> have this type of egg as a meal, okay? Not a meal, it, it's part of a meal. They take this egg and they soak it in horse urine. Do you know that? How, Serene, how long do they soak it for? 
a long time. <laughs> so they soak it in horse urine in the olden days. Nowadays, they use ammonia. And they soak it, and they soak, and they soak, and they soak, and they soak, and the egg actually becomes bouncy. And when you cut it, the egg white is translucent. You can see through it, you know? And it's a delicacy, actually. You may not believe me, <laughs> but I promise you with this. Okay, it's called the century egg <clears throat> because they supposedly soak for a century, but it doesn't take that long. Um, any other examples? Steel. Ah, so steel, when you hit it when it's hot, when it's in the furnace, yeah, it becomes harder. Right. Okay, so like in... in, in yes. Okay, this is beyond my pay grade, but I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. In, in for example, how they, um, they, they forge Damascus steel or when they want to make you know, samurai blades, I think that's what they do. They fold it on each other. That's right. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> okay, on this side, the church in Acts. Yes, an example of anti-fragile. Acts chapter 4. Anything else? Any other examples? Elastic bands. So when you pull, The further you pull the catty, the further it shoots. Right. I learned this at Fani's, uh, what's it called? Uh, what happens when you do something to the groom before he gets married? Bachelor's party, yes. They have this family tradition where you're supposed to shoot the catty. Have you ever done that at someone? Not, not at him, at an object, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I should have clarified that. <laughs> All right, so conceptually, we all want to be, you know, robust, resilient, anti-fragile. The question is how? So, like I said, there's lots of li literature that you can read. People are developing a lot on this. Just Google the word resilience or anti-fragile and you can read quite a fair amount. But i like us to go to Hebrews chapter 12. So if you can open your Bibles to Hebrews 12, that'll be great. We're just going to spend time in two verses today, okay? So it's good to bear in mind that Hebrews was written to encourage um, Jewish believers because there was a, a threat that they were going to return to Judaism and legalism. And so the author is writing about the supremacy, the superiority, and the sufficiency of Jesus in all aspects of life, all right? And so if... If you're wavering in your faith, Hebrews is always a great book to read and reflect on because it has so much to offer and to help us understand um, why Jesus is sufficient. So when you go to Hebrews chapter 10, okay, when you, let, me read, let me read Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
So in Hebrews 10, we see, you know, the key word, you always are taught this in any Bible study. Anytime you see therefore, you've got to go to the preceding verse or paragraph or chapter or chapters, right? Because everything is building up to what comes after therefore, right? So everybody knows this. So therefore, so Hebrews 10, the Jewish people have lost everything of material value and they were being persecuted. In Hebrews 11, now the author says, guys, look, look, look at all the examples of the great characters in the Old Testament, men and women who walk by faith. Look at their example. They kept their eyes on God. And here is what is also important to bear in mind. Not all of them, actually most of them, if not all of them, did not have a good beginning. But they ended well. Not a good beginning, but they ended well. So I want you to go to Hebrews 11 on your, in your Bibles, on your phones. Again, find a friend and just run through the passage without reading it. Just sort of skim it, speed read it, and just say all the names of the characters of faith that were pointed out in Hebrews 11. Okay, take three minutes for this. You don't have to say what they did, just the names. So in verse 4, Abel. And I go to verse 5, verse 6. Okay? You saw the names? Great. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, so the first principle or idea I want to establish with you is this. We are not alone. We have a genealogy of faith. We are part of a genealogy of faith. Okay? There are many that have come before us and have walked this road of faith and perseverance in faith in spite of. But what's the bad news? The bad news is this. All the people we read about in Hebrews 11 and all the people you look on your left and on your right, behind you, in front of you, the bad news is this. We, they, Hebrews 11, they are an evidence that God's people will suffer. That's the bad news. The good news is the following alone. Okay? So you look to the person next to you and you say, you're not alone in your suffering. Many have come before us, many are with us, and many will be after us that will suffer if you follow Jesus. Here's the bad news also. There is always suffering before glory. And what's the good news? There is glory after suffering. So how do you run this race? We're not alone. We're not alone. Two, focus on the glory because it's what comes after. That's the pattern. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So what do I want to say to you? Give up 
my friends, give up. Say to the person next to you, give up. Okay. What do you need to give up? Well, Paul's, uh, Paul, is it Paul? Oh, the author says two things, and they're different. The first is everything that hinders. The second is the sin that entangles. So what is giving you drag? What is causing drag? You've got to give that up. Give that up. So there's this story of uh, the Italian sailing team that went to Australia to compete in the American Cup. Okay, anyway, it was that year, it was in Australia. And so the Italian team had a day off and they thought, I want to go, we want to go and we want to see what the Australian outback is like. Has anybody been to Australia? Okay, great, I see your hand. God bless you. So they rented a Jeep and they jumped into the Jeep and they thought, okay, let's go and look for some kangaroos and let's go look at the scenery. And this is a real story, yeah? I'm not making it up. So they drove around the Australian outback and a kangaroo jumped in front of their Jeep. They couldn't stop in time. They slammed into it and the kangaroo fell down, apparently dead. So they got out of the car and they said, let's at least take a picture. And the driver said, oh, I didn't tell you this bit of the story. They were all dressed in Gucci. They had Gucci shoes, Gucci watches, Gucci jackets. So they were all decked out in designer wear. And the driver said, let's put on our Gucci, my Gucci jacket on the kangaroo. So we can say that even kangaroos in Australia wear Gucci. So they put the jacket onto this, onto this kangaroo. And as they stepped back to take a picture, the kangaroo revived, jumped up, and hopped away into the bush. Okay? But here's the kicker. The driver had left the car keys and his wallet and his American Express in the jacket. Just like that, everything was gone. What are the things that are dragging us? Is it our material possessions? What are the things that we hold on to, not realizing that like this, life is but a vapor and it's gone? So what are the things that are hindering us that we need to put off? What are the sins that are entangling us that we need to repent of? Repent to renounce, to be restored in. So there's a call to holy lives. Okay, this is verse 1. I won't unpack this further. I think you guys understand. And next, let us run the race with perseverance. And let us run with perseverance, sorry. The race marked out for us. So I said to you, we're not alone. Then I said to you that we should give up. Now I want to say to you, don't give up, okay? Run the race with perseverance. The, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Here, the tense in Greek would be habitual action. When, Paul, when the author says run, it means this should be a habitual thing. It's not a once-off, it's daily. So you have to run today. You have to run tomorrow. You have to run the day after. You have to run the day after that. Every single day, there is a race that we need to run. 
in Greek, the word race is agona. It's where you get the English word agonize. Okay? So, two years ago, just before COVID, or last year, just before COVID, I, I decided I would go and do the Cape Town Cycle Tour or the Cape Argus. I'd never done it in my whole life. And I was always traveling, so I always missed it. And I thought, hey, I'm around. Let's try do it. And I made, made a big mistake. Um, two big mistakes, actually. The first is before I did the Argus, I did Mount Kilimanjaro. And it wasn't hard, honestly. I'm not, I'm not bragging. It really wasn't difficult for me. I think because I'm super light, right? Um, and so I went up and I came down Mount Kilimanjaro. It was great. And so I thought, okay, I'm pretty fit. So I didn't train for the Cape Town Cycle Tour. First mistake. Second mistake, I used a cheap mountain bike. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> and so I was exhausted. Exhausted. You know, at, at certain checkpoints, the guys were pulling the barrier across the road and we just crossed. You know, that was how tight it was. And I wouldn't have made it if not for this friend of mine, Stefan, who at different points literally had to push me up the hill physically, okay? I thank God for Stefan. If not for him, I wouldn't have gotten that little medal that almost cost me my life. <laughs> it was agonizing. It was agonizing. Moral of the story, prepare. So don't give up in this race of life. Don't give up. There's a story of, um, there's a fable, you know, told of this little donkey, a young donkey that was uh, speaking with his dad, an older donkey. Dad, how can I be like you one day? And this old donkey father said to the son, once upon a time when I was your age, I was walking in the field and I wasn't paying attention and I fell into this huge hole. It was an abandoned well. Fortunately, there was no water in the well, but it was very deep. I was stuck. I brayed and I brayed and I brayed and suddenly, this old farmer heard me. He peered into the well and he saw me. He started to laugh and then he left. But I was so afraid because I thought that he would abandon me to die. However, he came back, and he came back with the village, and the villagers surrounded this well. They looked down at me, they mocked me, and they made fun. And one of them said, he's dead. There's no way he will live. Let's bury him. Let's bury him. And so they picked up sand, soil, dirt, and they threw it into the well. Every time they did that, I shook it off and I stepped up. They kept throwing soil. I shook it off and I stepped up. They threw soil. I shook it off and I stepped up. It was terrifying. I was so tired. But I just kept saying to myself, shake it off, step up. I finally made it out of the well finally made it up of the wall. Let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Run your race. In resilience training, one of the things they say is this, why do people burn out? It's because they do things they're not supposed to do. So figure out your secondary purpose, your primary purpose, pursue that, stay in your lane, run your race, run the race with perseverance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It is not the amount of faith nor the quality of faith that matters. It is the object upon which you base your faith. Object, not amount. Object, not quality. Have you ever been in an aeroplane where maybe you are that person, but you know, I've been on a flight once, more than once, where the person sitting next to me was so afraid of flying? Have you ever been there? You know? So you can imagine this. You sit on a plane, and on your left is someone who was shaking, and there was this guy that was on the flight. And at the end of the flight, he just apologized to me because he was freaking out. Every turbulent, he would go like this, you know, and he would hold himself. You got that guy, and then you got the other guy next to you who is calm, who is eating everything, even though the plane is doing this, they're like, oh, having their Coke, no problem, no problem, you know, having their beer, maybe it was the beer that helped, but... So it doesn't matter what the, per se, it doesn't matter what the amount of quality of your faith is. In the case of the person who was so afraid, they still got on the plane. The person who was so calm, they still got on the plane. And all of them arrived at the same time. Their faith was in the plane and the pilot and the crew that it would not crash. So where is the object of your faith? It doesn't matter whether you have little faith, a lot of faith, faith that is progressively getting stronger as you walk this journey of faith. But the object of your faith, the author says, should be Jesus. Jesus is the prototype. He has run this race before. The cross wasn't a failure. The cross was victory. Amen? So, the visible, the invisible has become visible. So when people say, how can I see Jesus? How can I see Christianity? The answer is, look at the cross. Look at the cross. The cross should be central. When I went through marriage enrichment and uh, fatherhood training with my mentor, he said he has a cross in his home that every time he walks out of his home, he sees this. And so I've done the same. You know, I've, I've created a space in my garden. I've created a space um, on my wall. And I, 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 hung, I hang a cross at the door. Uh, again, just as a symbolic reminder. For my household, Jesus is visible. The cross reminds us that the invisible has become visible. Jesus is at the center of our home. He is the object of our focus and attention, and He needs to be. 
Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. The pathway to glory is the pathway to suffering. It's the same path. So let us look at the cross together. Let me review. We begin by examining why God allows us to go through difficult times. We compared the difference between fragility, robustness, resilience, and anti-fragility. We then looked at Hebrews to determine how we can be resilient and anti-fragile. We are not alone. Is it there? Yeah. We are not alone. Give up. Give up the things that hinder. Give up the things that entangles. But don't give up. Don't give up. Shake it off. Step up. It's not the amount or the quality of your faith, but the object, which is Jesus. And the invisible is now visible because Jesus made it visible through the cross. That's how we run this race with perseverance, at least based on Hebrews, 1, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.